Good morning. If you would please open your Bibles to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. It's good to have visitors with us today. Thank you for being here. You're an honored guest and hope that you feel at home and comfortable inside from the cold weather. It got us really good, didn't it? We were waiting for that cold weather and it finally came in. Um, we hope that... Uh, you know, if you have any questions, don't, don't hesitate to ask us about what we believe in practice here. Uh, Bible question, perhaps a day will be much more productive for me if I get a chance to talk one-on-one -on -one with somebody about spiritual things. I love to do that, uh, so please don't hesitate. I want to introduce our lesson this morning by reading 1 Peter chapter 2. We've been spending a lot of time in this text in recent weeks. We began a new series not that long ago. And so let's just read 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 2, where Peter says, Like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if indeed you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. So what is necessary to grow with respect to salvation? What does that mean when you hear Peter say those words, grow in respect to salvation? Does that mean... You can grow to be more saved than somebody else, or even you can grow to be more saved than you were in the past. What's, what's going on here? What does, this, what does this mean? Well, Peter gives us lots of reminders in First and Second Peter about the importance of our obedience to the Word, retaining a relationship to the Word of, of God. Uh, so let's start by just thinking about that. He emphasizes at the end of chapter 1, if you go back just a few verses into 1 Peter 1 and you look at verse 22, he says, You have in your obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren. And then verse 23, You've been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. And so if I understand him correctly, what he's saying in chapter 1 you entered into this relationship with Christ on the basis of your obedience. Right? You were, he uses this phrase, born again, that we're familiar with, this rebirth. You're a new person in Christ. And that happened because you chose to submit to his word. You obeyed his truth, and so now you're pure. And now chapter 2, what we read in verse 2, if you want to grow in Christ, and indeed you must, you're going to need the same thing, the word of God. You're going to have to continue to obey his, his word. So it's Peter, like other inspired men, are saying that this growth is only possible through the knowledge of God and through the continued obedience to his word. And so when Peter says grow in respect to salvation, uh, he means as a child of God, saved by the blood of Christ into this living hope, Jesus he expects you to grow to be more like him. So, as you have often heard so many times, baptism is not the finish line, it's the starting point. It's just the starting point. Uh, Paul put it this way <clears throat> in a couple of different places. Let me read to you Ephesians 4. Listen to what he says here. He says, until it's the middle of a thought, but he says we're, we're to grow, Ephesians 4, 12 and 13, until we all attain the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, notice, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Your Bible might just say, grow to be more like Christ. 
It's the same idea as in 1 Peter 2. Grow in respect to salvation. Become more and more like the Son of God. Or as he told the churches of Galatia, I'm, at, I'm again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Formed in you. And this should be the goal and desire of every follower of Christ. Every disciple of Jesus. You know, last week, if you are here, we discussed prayer. If you didn't hear that lesson, it's posted on our website, leonvalleychurch.org. Or if you go to YouTube, you just search Leon Valley Church of Christ. That sermon is under the live tab where most of our video sermons are now. But we discussed prayer. And we approached that topic in terms of what gets in the way, what hinders prayer. And our topic this morning, many of those points will hold true as well. What gets in the way of spending more time in the Word of God? Maybe it's a lack of discipline, perseverance. Maybe it's uh, ignorance. Maybe I never read First Peter. I didn't even know about this expectation before, which is unlikely. But maybe that's the case. Our pride, you know, just like it gets in the way of uh, sincere worship and prayer, it certainly gets in the way of spending time in the Word of God. Maybe thinking that I just I know enough. Well, that will never be true. If I believe what Peter says, I have to acknowledge that to myself. I'll never know enough. 2 Peter 3.18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that we noticed in the outset of our lesson last week in prayer, we, we noted several times in the New Testament how that word devoted is used. Romans 12.12, 12, Colossians 4.2, be devoted to prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. Pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And you know, <clears throat> likewise, when we think about this discipline in Scripture as its name, we find, we're going to find that same word. If you take a moment to look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. What does it say about the first Christians there? Before they were even called Christians, actually. That doesn't happen until Acts chapter 10. But the first disciples, the first men and women who obeyed the gospel in Acts 2.42, it says there that they were continually what? Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Same word that's used with regard to prayer in our study last week that we saw is used with respect to their devotion to the word doesn't say the word there, but that's what he's talking about, right? The apostles teaching these inspired men delivering the word of God. These disciples were devoted to that. First Timothy four thirteen. until I come, Paul says what? Devote yourself. Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. And then in verse 15, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Okay, so just like last week, we think about those passages, we think about the spiritual discipline of prayer, and now Bible reading and study. Could I say my life is devoted to reading and studying Scripture? Just like we asked, can I, really, can I honestly say I'm devoted to prayer? Now what about this? If we desire to grow... And we should, we must spend more time in the Word. Examining ourselves in the light of Jesus' teaching, being more diligent to apply what we find there. 
So let's think about that this morning. Spending more time in the Word as individuals, as a family, and as a local church. Those are the three points I want to go over this morning. We're not going to approach it in the same way as prayer last week where we thought about what gets in the way. We'll obviously talk about that a little. But I just want to encourage us this morning. You had to know this was coming. Beginning of a new year is what I usually do, right? I want to encourage us to spend more time in the Word of God. Uh, and that's what we want to focus on this morning. One of the things I've tried to seize upon uh, lately is how often in both Old and New Covenants, one salvation is expressed in terms of their relationship to the Word of God. I tried really hard to find a less wordy way of saying that, and I just can't do it. So I hope it becomes clear what I mean as we move forward with these, with these points. How often our salvation is expressed in terms of our relationship to the Word. Now, before I make this point, I want to be clear. We see in Scripture, salvation is only possible because of the Lord's love and sacrifice. Right? Romans 5, 6. We were helpless, Paul says, but at the right time, Christ died uh, for the ungodly. Right? That God demonstrates his own love toward us, and though we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if it weren't for that sacrifice and God raising his son from the dead, we wouldn't have the perfect sacrifice to take away our sins. We wouldn't have an intercessor at the right hand of God on our behalf, our advocate before the Father. And again, Titus 3, he saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. So there's no question that salvation is the result of God's love and God's plan and his son coming to earth and executing that plan uh, with his father and the Holy Spirit then revealing that plan to us through the inspired men and preserving his word. Yet, you and I have a responsibility there is a response that God expects from us. And this, that, me standing here suggesting that, giving you that teaching is going to fly in the face of much of what the religious world believes. What most churches around us, the counterfeit churches of the world, are going to teach. That God doesn't expect a response from you at all. And that is anti-biblical. It is anti-Christ. And so to our point here this morning, salvation being expressed in terms of your relationship to the word. Yes, you must have fellowship with, with Christ, and that is the only way you can be free of sins and have the hope of heaven. But scripture puts that in terms of your relationship to his word. And so does Jesus time and time again, right? A lot when you get to looking, really. Luke six forty six. why do you call me Lord do not do what I say. John 12, 48. The one who rejects me uh, has one that will judge him at the last day. The word which I spoke will judge him. Uh, you know, so many folks unfortunately try to establish this. I don't know what you would call it. It's, it's, it's not real. They, they try to make this separation between having a relationship with God and in his, in his word as if they could love and submit to him while at the same time ignoring what he is saying. And Jesus is revealing, it just doesn't work that way, right? I think of um, sometimes, you know, like how kids will try, will try to manipulate their parents. Maybe you did this as a kid, I did this, you know, you'll be, they'll be giving you instructions of something that you don't want to do, but at the same, but at the same time you're kind of like moseying over to them and like hugging them and loving on them. And at the same time, you're like, go clean your room right? But they're trying to manipulate you so that they don't have to do what they want to do, right? And we know that we can see it. We know that it just doesn't work. 
And it's the same is true with our Heavenly Father. We can't claim to love Him and ignore what He and His Son and Holy Spirit are teaching us. Uh, so we see that time and time again. Romans 1.16, you know the verse. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We read 1 Peter 1.22, all right? You're already, uh, Peter says, in your obedience to the truth. Well, don't I have to obey Jesus? Absolutely. Hebrews 5.9, he's the source of salvation to all who obey him. But it's also equally expressed in this way. Your obedience to what? His truth. His teaching. Peter, one of my favorite examples in John 6, you know, he gets this in verses 67 and 69 when Jesus gives the teaching to eat his flesh and drink his blood and many depart. And Jesus says to the twelve, do you want to go away also? And Peter said to him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Let's keep going on, on this point. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Let's look at the, the first four verses. So here's another example. I'm telling you, there's a lot when you get to look and it shouldn't come as a surprise. Here's another one. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verses 1 through 4. Hebrews 2, beginning in verse 1. Hebrews 2, verse 1, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and various miracles, Gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his will. Okay, can there be any doubt, really, that you and I have this responsibility? Firstly, and can there be any doubt that your salvation and mine depends upon our personal, individual devotion to the word of God? All of these passages strip away. If there was any doubt, these passages would be stripping that away. John tells us the same thing, 1 John 2. Let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and the Father. This is the promise which he himself has made to us, eternal life. Now, he doesn't use the word, word of God, and doesn't use the word salvation and show the relationship between the two. But that's what he's doing, right? What you heard is the, mess, is the teaching of Christ that abides in you. You have eternal life. That is salvation now shouldn't the fact that our souls depend upon our devotion to the word shouldn't that move us to do this very thing to long for the pure milk of the word to spend more time in the word to forsake whatever it is we need to forsake so that we don't wither on the vine or to use the hebrews metaphor that we just read chapter two drift away from it You know, maybe we, you know, maybe we follow along in our Bibles during the lesson and during Bible class and we contribute and that's, that's commendable and that's a good thing. Is that in and of itself devotion to Scripture? What do you think? Just like we thought about last week, 
with the discipline of prayer. We pray maybe when we're assembled, we pray before meals, maybe we're really good about that. Uh, and in Bible class with our kiddos, okay, what about the rest of the week? What about every other day? Can we pray just at those times and honestly say, okay, I'm a man or a woman who's devoted to prayer? You know, you eat every day, don't you? I think that's a fair assumption about this audience, given where we are and how blessed we are in this part of the world. You make sure your body is taken care of. What about your eternal soul? You know, we plan meals and we make time for them and we enjoy those things. Do we make time for the pure milk of the word? How much more effort should we be putting into that, according to Jesus? Do not work for food which perishes, perishes, he says, but the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Now this is nothing new. You know this, God has always spoken this way to make the point of how desperately we need his word. That's why Jesus characterizes his, his teaching in terms of food, eating his flesh and drinking his, his blood. We need this sustenance, spiritual food. It's infinitely important. You know, just as ancient Israel's deliverance and their entrance into the promised land was dependent on their response to God's word, so is our salvation and entrance into heaven dependent upon the word of our response to the word of God. Deuteronomy 4.1 O Israel, listen to the statutes and judgments which I am teaching you to perform so that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. There's a parallel today, isn't there? Isn't there? We want to live. We want to take possession of the promised land. We must hear the statutes of the Lord and do them. And this is, of course, related to another matter that should be dear to our hearts and that is the condition of our families deuteronomy chapter 6 if you want to turn with me there for a moment deuteronomy 6 verses 5 through 7 i can't think of a better text to introduce this point sure there are many but this is the one that i've chosen in deuteronomy 6 beginning in verse 5 we find The greatest command that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And these words which I'm commanding today shall be on your heart. And then you remember verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit down uh, in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So I want to talk to the dads in the room for just a moment. And remind us that God charges us to be the spiritual heads, to be the spiritual leaders of our household, to be the example, to teach our children, to show our kids the importance of reading and studying God's word. So do we do that? Or do we just talk about it? I know this is one of the reasons God chose Abraham. Do you remember in Genesis 18 when God reveals what he's going to, he's, he's saying, I'm going to reveal to Abraham what I'm about to do, the judgment on Solomon and Gomorrah, because I've chosen him 
um, that he may teach his children, verse 19 of Genesis 18, I've chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Now we have that same charge to bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. And this is what God has always, always desired. Okay, so how much Bible knowledge do we impart? Are we imparting to our children? Deuteronomy 6.5 that we read just a moment ago, you know, it doesn't use the word devoted to teaching our children, but that's the picture, right? When you rise up, when you sit down, when you walk by the way, you're talking about these things. If I understand what Moses is saying, it's at every opportunity. You can make some spiritual application, some lesson. Try to seize that opportunity. Because Jesus warns us, there's going to be things that get in the way. He's not specifically talking about teaching our children in Mark chapter 4. He's talking about the parable of the sower and letting the word take, take root and the things that hinder that, where he says the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things, they enter into your heart, they choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But that still holds true for our families as we're thinking about our responsibility to them. You know, I think that, you know, that's, that's one of the lies we might tell ourselves. You know, I won't, I won't get distracted. I'll have the right priorities. I'm good and noble. I go to church. Well, how much time is our entertainment and hobbies and video games and sports and TV and Internet? How much time are they soaking up? So that the word is being choked out of you and your family right before your very eyes. What dominates your thoughts? When you go to bed at night, what, are you, what do you think about? During the day, you think, I've got bills to pay. I've got, I've got to run this errand. I've got to order this part for this project. This needs to be. Oh, I can't believe what I saw on the news tonight or what I read. Can you, people are just crazy. You know, you... And you're wrestling with all these things and you're thinking about all these things. How much time and consideration do you give to what your children need to be taught learning the Lord? I think about what do I think about what guidance do they need? What are they dealing with at school? How can I show them what God says about the cussing and the vulgarity and the worldliness and how to guard against that? What what did I do to fortify their hearts today against the enemy? that I try to remind them of what God says at some point. You are responsible. I'm responsible. You set the boundaries. You set the example. You set the priorities. Don't count on someone else to do it for you. Don't push your wife into a role of leadership because of your passivity. Don't tell yourself, oh, there'll be more time. There'll always be more time. No, there's not. Days are slipping through your fingers. They're in school, driving them every day before you know it, that's over. Then they get a little bit bigger. They're in middle school, and before you know it, that's over. Then you've got four years before they're on their own. 
Before you know it, that day is there. What have you taught them? James says, come now, you say, you say today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You know, even that scenario that I just laid out may not be true for you. You may not have until your kiddos are grown. You don't know what your life is going to be like tomorrow. Remember in 2020, in January, after winter break, we were all making plans, thinking we were going to go to school for the rest of the year. Spring break rolls around. You know, you're going to stay home another week. Stay home another week. Nobody knew what was coming or what was going to happen. Same is true this year, every year. Use the time that you have to prepare. We can't tell ourselves, I know enough, they know enough. That'll never be true. We've already established that. And the moment you start to think that way, you're already in trouble. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't let anything get in the way. There's not necessarily going to be more time. Let's think about uh, ourselves as a local church now and spending more time in the Word of God. You know, I think back to those passages regarding the first Christians. We read Acts 2.42 just a moment ago, right before they were even called Christians. <clears throat> and we saw that they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. If you continue reading, if you want to go back to Acts chapter 2, and you just continue reading the descriptions of those, those brethren on down, you come to verse 46, and this is what it says in Acts 2.46. Day by day, they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So... They were devoted. Now, here's what that looks like. What does it say? Verse 46. Day after day, their worship continued. They're hearing the apostles' teaching. That is a daily occurrence. You turn a couple of pages to Acts chapter 5, you find the same thing. Verse 42 with regard to the apostles. And every day, every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Okay, again, Bible... Bible reading, Bible study, that's not specifically mentioned, but that's what's being talked about, right? That's what's being handed down to us, Jude 3, once and for all time. The same teaching that the Holy Spirit inspired these men to give all those years ago. This is what they gave their attention to daily. Certainly as individuals, but we see this is talking about them collectively as a group, as a church in Jerusalem. And so as we think about that example, and we begin to evaluate our own efforts... Are we, as a local church, Leon Valley, devoted to Bible teaching, Bible study? You know, we say, so, well, we have Bible classes already. That's, that's true. 9.30 Sunday mornings, Wednesdays, 7.30. We set aside time to assemble and study God's Word. And we have, uh, we're blessed with many effective teachers in this place, knowledgeable teachers and men who can fill in, and women, too, who can... Teach, teach our kiddos and hold women's Bible class. We have gospel meetings to facilitate that. A couple of months, Warren Berkeley is going to be holding, Lord willing. Uh, even so, all right, is there more we could be doing? If we're thinking about the force of this scripture, and we're not trying to quibble, and we're not trying to make excuses, and we're just thinking about their example, The, you know, the ladies of this congregation in the past have gotten together 
to conduct their own study of the word. I had a member approach me just the other day uh, who wants to put a men's study together. That's admirable. These Christians that we read about in the first century, you know, they enjoyed their entertainment. They enjoyed their food and getting together. and They enjoyed their fun as much as anybody else. But the, the force of Acts chapter 2, you know, as much as they cherished being together, even socializing and such, they knew they were not a social club. They knew that their aim, their purpose was not trivial in this life. Their priority was clear. We're going to serve and worship the Lord. We're going to be devoted to his teaching. You know, we used to have a Monday night Bible study. I haven't done that in several months now. One of my goals is to start that again this year. And maybe with other outside studies, we feel like, well, I, I just don't have time or I'm busy and I'll just wait for someone else to do it. Everyone's busy. And maybe that's the trouble. Maybe we're all just waiting. Waiting for somebody else. When the opportunity is before us. We can take the lead. We can set the example. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3.15, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. When you look at Acts chapter 2 and you read those verses in Acts chapter 5, you see what those people are about. You think they understood we are the pillar and support of the truth. Of course, that was long before Paul wrote to Timothy. But they knew what their identity was. Their primary concern was for the spiritual needs of man. And that's what they were about. And of course, it doesn't end there. We talk about just being devoted to teaching. We have to evaluate it as well. What is, what is our responsibility as members to weigh what is taught, to compare what I'm preaching from this pulpit or Mike or anybody else who's leading Bible class, do I take the time to evaluate it against the word of God? You know, it's not like, you know, I have some special connection to God so that I'm always 100% right about what I say or anybody else. But no, for that matter, John says, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. To see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's part of our responsibility, too, to be engaged to the point where I can evaluate and put my finger on the text and see if this is something that's truly authorized or not. Because indeed, our souls depend upon it. What is necessary? What is necessary to grow with respect to our salvation? One more time, long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. We have to be people of the book. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us, to show his love and to give his life to save us from our sins. And he handpicked certain men who would be inspired by the Holy Spirit so that we could have this word forever so that we can enjoy the blessings that come from knowing Him through it. 
And you remember how God's ancient people, they would be distinguished by their obedience to the word that he gave them. Same is true today, John 17, 17. Sanctify them in your truth, your word is true. As Moses said in Deuteronomy 4, the nations would look at the people of Israel and one of the things that would puzzle them, they would say in verse, he would say at verse 8, their response would be, what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as this whole law which I am setting before you today? And we remember much of the sad history for that people and how they ultimately treated the word of God and treated him. God says in Hosea, though I wrote for him 10,000 precepts of my law, they are regarded as a strange thing. They're regarded as a foreign thing. What a sad commentary on a people who should have cherished the word that they had been given. Let's not squander the opportunity we've been given. Let's seek the Lord diligently through his truth. Submit to it. And that's what you need to do this morning if you haven't. If you haven't obeyed the words of Jesus to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, you're still separated from him, condemned and have no hope of heaven. But the opportunity is before you this morning to change that, to become a new creation in him, join his people and accomplish his will. And we're ready to assist you in that regard if that's your need or any other spiritual need that you have. You want to make it known in a public way, come before these brethren and we can pray together and talk about what that need is. So at this time, would you come forward now as we stand and sing?